0: Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. Wanted to start today with some quotes uh, what it might be like to, to not be here this morning, to be in another church in another part of the country. Here's some things you might hear God wants us to prosper financially, to have plenty of money, to fulfill the destiny He has laid out for us. Every believer has the right to walk and live in divine health. Obedience to God is the pathway to the life you really want to live. And this is what is being told and sold to millions every week by people professing to be Christians or pastors or teachers. Some people think that following Jesus Christ is like having your own cosmic vending machine, a rabbit's foot that has limitless luck, it's like having that, that goose that lays the golden eggs, a get-out-of-hell-free card, the fountain of youth, all in one. And they believe that because that is the view being preached by many in this country. Many are buying into these lies, literally buying into them, just shelling out money so that they can hear the, these fortune cookie Teachings, fortune cookie theology, about how their life is just going to be smooth sailing. It's going to be so good. You're going to have such a wonderful life always. A better quote than those we've already seen today comes from Matt Carter, who advises: Any preacher who tells you following Jesus is the way to good health, riches, or luxury is not following Jesus, he is selling you something. Even better are to quote the words of Jesus Christ in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And John 16, 4. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. And so this morning, as every morning that we meet together... We are going to believe the words of Jesus over the words of any man, right? We're going to read scripture and believe what Jesus has to say. And Jesus says, the world is going to hate us. And this doesn't mean that every person you meet outside of these doors is going to hate you. It doesn't, which is good. But it does mean that we live in a world, in a system that is against you and will hate you. And this doesn't mean that you can't or won't have health and wealth and prosperity and success. You will most likely have seasons of that. And that's perfectly fine. Praise God that we have those, right? That's the time to praise God and thank God that we are able to have that. But our aim can't ever be that, right? I hope when you come to Sunday morning to church, that's not what you're trying to get out of it. What we want is the greatest treasure, which is Christ himself we don't want the world. We want the Savior of the world. And so we've seen over the last couple of weeks, the last couple of chapters, Jesus saying, take heart. I'm preparing a place for you. Guys, you abide in me. Not only that, you have each other and love each other well. And oh yeah, we're going to have the Holy Spirit to help us do all this. But why? Why all this conversation, right? This, this is one conversation we've been looking at. Why is Jesus repeatedly saying, take heart, abide, love one another, take care of one another? Why? Because as we will see today, the world hates us. We need to believe those things. We need to live those things in a world that hates us. Not only does Jesus tell us the world hates us, he tells us why, why it hates us. And then he tells us how to react. And so this morning we're going to look at five reasons the world hates us and then two reasons how we are going to react to that according to Jesus. Our text today is going to be John 15, 18 through 16, 4. And our sermon is called, Why the World Hates Us. Let me pray for us. Lord, I appreciate the honesty. And you're, you're, you're loving us, actually, by telling us the world is going to hate us. And you're intent in that, Lord, that we may not fall away or be confused or be surprised. But that you would just tell us this is the way it is. And this is part of the cost of of your love and you calling us to yourself, Lord. May we always love you more than the world hates us, Lord. And may your Holy Spirit convict us this morning, Lord, of your love in a world that hates us. Amen. So why does the world hate us? John 15, 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. And so reason number one is quite clear it's not us. It's not us. It's him, right? It's him. The world hates Jesus. The word hate is used seven times in seven verses here, lest we, we, we be confused about this. If you are a Christian, which means you're a follower and friend of Christ, the world will hate you. That's his expectation, that he would, we would be treated like he was treated. Why wouldn't we expect that? We find our identity in what? The cross of Christ, right? The blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, and and sacrificial living. How can that be our our hope and our identity, and we're following Christ, and at the same time believe that we're going to live a life that's just going to have red carpets and favor and swag bags? It doesn't make sense that that's the conclusion that we can come to. Why does the world hate Christ? It's because we live in a system of sin and darkness, a system against everything Christ is and represents. We talked about this a few months ago in John chapter 3, where after John 3.16, the most famous verse ever, we actually see the judgment, like the the thing you don't find on the bumper sticker, right? You don't see John 3.19, which says, and this is the judgment, The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And so the world hates Jesus because Jesus isn't evil. Jesus is good. He's the opposite of the world. The world cannot stand it. Not only is he the opposite, he is the judge of the world. And so what happens because of that? The world judges and hates us because we don't belong to that system. Not only that, we're reminders of that coming judgment. And it's kind of interesting, if you talk to non-believers, that many of them will often say, only God can judge me. It's like, they know, right? It's it's a judgment on themselves. And again, this doesn't mean that when you leave the church doors, that the world is going to be this evil, awful place at every turn. I'm not saying that at all. We leave these doors, we experience God's grace. Beauty, nature, family, music, food, laughter, all these incredible things in this world that God created and said were good. You will even meet people who aren't overtly evil and trying to persecute you. You already know that. But the system itself the group of people, the system itself hates Jesus and hates his followers. It is this system that leads people to believe that when they persecute us, they are doing good. Like, they couldn't possibly do anything better than persecute us. And it's because of this. <clears throat> In this last year, throw some numbers out for you, 360 million Christians were persecuted 5898 killed 5110 attacks on church buildings the detaining without detaining imprisoned without trial 4765 and that doesn't even count the 50 to 75,000 people in North Korea who are just in camps in Christian camps and so for most of the rest of the world being a friend of Jesus is being an enemy Of the world. The world hates us because it hates Jesus. And so the next question to consider naturally is well, why aren't we part of that system? How is that? How are we not part of that system? And Jesus answers that in verse 19 If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And so the second reason that the world hates us is because God chose us out of it. And so there are three things I want to look at in this verse that are happening. And the first is that we don't belong to the world. The implication of that being that we belong to Jesus. Right, the world knows that. We were given by the Father to Jesus and Jesus is not going to lose us. The world knows who we are and who we belong to. We live differently. We don't play by their rules. We don't play by mob rule. And why not? Because we've been chosen. This is the same thing that Jesus said in our passage last week. And he said, this is about the 30th time, I believe, in John where Jesus has said something just like this, which means John and Jesus believes it is crucial for, under, for us to understand that he chose us. Why? Because we live in a world that hates us and he wants us to know He's the one that chose us. We are secure in him. We are abiding in him. It's an encouragement, it's to give us confidence that he chose us. We belong and abide in him. And that is why the world hates us. We don't belong to the system, we belong to Christ, which means what? We obey Christ, which is reason number three the world hates us. We serve the one the world hates. We read this in verse 20. Remember, Jesus talking, what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And so Jesus lived a perfect life according to the most perfect standard, right? Praise God, that's why Jesus is able to be a sacrifice for us life is perfect. That's why he is the sacrificial lamb without blemish that takes away our sin. He lived a perfect life. He came and loved the world like no one else ever has. Just making food for people out of nowhere, right? Just just making great food, making the best wine, teaching people, uh, giving people the example of righteousness, communicating God's heart to people, healing the unhealable, raising the dead, And what did he get? He gets murdered, right? He gets killed because of that. And so as Christians, although chosen and saved by grace, we are still sinners. We are not perfect. Why would we expect better treatment than Jesus received? We're not healing anybody. We're not giving food to people. Jesus doesn't expect that. His expectation is that as his servants, we will face his persecution. Why does the world persecute those who follow Jesus? Reason four for that hate is that the world is estranged from God. We find this reality in verse 21. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. And the world does not know God. God. The world is not only separated from God, but it is hostile. Like when when man fell into sin and separation, it wasn't a clean breakup. They didn't remain friends. There's separation and hostility. The world is at rebellion with God. And because of that, the world thinks we're the crazy ones. We're the rebellious ones. We don't get it. We're the ones with the issues to them because of that breakup. We were the crazy ones in that breakup. Just listen to the lectures of most secular universities and even community colleges where the professors will say, diversity good, God bad, right? Inclusion good, Christianity bad. They don't know God. They just know that they hate God. We read this again in 1 John 3.1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. And so to know God is to become unknown to a world that doesn't know God. A little bit of a tongue twister. To be known by God is to become unknown to a world that doesn't know God. But why would the world even care? if it knows God or if we know God or not. Because of reason number five, Christ and his followers highlight the guilt of the world. We find this guilt in verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. And to be fair, the first thing you have to do with with that verse is read it in its context, which is, He's talking to those people who he, he saw face to face. People who saw him heal people, do these miracles that he taught. And he's saying they are just, they have no excuse. There's no way that they could not believe. Their guilt is exposed. And while the world today doesn't have the incarnate Christ like his immediate audience did, they're not looking into the, the face and the beauty of Christ. It does have those who abide in Christ and are preaching his gospel. The good news, which, let's be honest, starts with the bad news. We are guilty. I am guilty. You are guilty. The world is guilty of sin. And the guilty conscience of the world is what gives it its hate. It knows it's guilty. If you've ever been guilty, you know how on edge you can be. No one likes being told they are wrong. Not in a system that keeps repeating that they are right and that it is right to worship yourself, and that anything you do is your right. The Christian is a mirror reflecting the true nature of the world. The world does not like what it sees. The problem is it blames the person holding the mirror. The guilt of the world leads it to hate us. And so Jesus has said multiple times here, Jesus, Jesus says the world hates us, but it's not us, it's him. The world hates him. He chose us out of the world. We serve him. It doesn't know him or the Father. He exposes the guilt of the world. And so to follow him means the world will hate you. So, how are we to live in light of this? In light, of the world, that the, in light of the reality that the world hates us. For starters, let's look at 1 John 3.13. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. If we've got nothing out of the last 15-ish minutes, do not be surprised when the world hates you. Right? Don't be surprised. That cannot be an application of, of what we just read. Various interpretations say, marvel not, do not wonder, do not be amazed when the world hates you. You now know the world hates you. No reason to be surprised. With that in mind, there are two ways in this passage that Jesus says to react, two ways to live in the world of haters. The first way is in verses 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I send to you from the Father... The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so, the first way to live in a world of hate is to love the haters by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for sending the Helper, for sending the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but my first, second, third, so-on response to somebody who hates me or us is not to love them. No, I don't want to do that. And yet that's the heart of Jesus, and the command to us is to love them and to share the gospel. So thank you, Jesus, for sending the Spirit to us to help us do just that. What better way to love the hater than to present the gospel of Jesus Christ? To tell the hater, look, Jesus took all your hate, took the whole hate of the world all the way to the cross and was killed. But he was raised from the dead three days later to what? Prove that his message was true, his message of love, not hate. His message of love and salvation and forgiveness was true. To be able to explain to the hater, they just need to, to believe and confess and to repent of that worldly system thinking, that selfish anti-God thinking. Stop doing that and follow the word of God. And they can be born again, born out of that system, right? They're born again out of that system. They, according to Romans 6, once you're born again, you're out of that system. You are no longer enslaved to it. And so we could preach that. You can be born out of that system. And let's also be honest with people when we share the gospel. People will hate you. Jesus says people will hate you. And we can be honest with people and don't tell them they're going to have their best life now necessarily. Tell them, no, people are going to hate you just because you confess that for no other reason than your love for Jesus. And so we love haters by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the second point here is don't join the haters. Don't join the haters. This is literally what it says in in John 16. We're in chapter 16 now, verses 1 through 4. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Don't join the haters. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So according to Jesus here, the greatest danger of persecution is what? Not that you would lose your life, but that you would lose your faith. Let me say that again. The greatest danger of persecution is not that you would lose your life, but that you would lose your faith. And Jesus says that's why he's letting you know. He's letting you know so that when the hate comes and it happens, you're not like, what is happening? I'm going to take off. I'm out. like, I want out of this. He's letting you know what's going to happen ahead of time. The problem is that we will be tempted to fall away. It says they will put you out of the synagogues. Okay, I'm cool with that. Right? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> like, Who's even been to a synagogue? <coughs> a couple of us, right? And so, okay, we could deal with that. But of course, that's not... That's not our modern context. And you could even say, well, is he talking about the church? Is he saying that you're going to get kicked out of the church? Again, not a problem because we could just go any direction a couple blocks and go to the next church. To be kicked out of the synagogue meant that you were kicked out of your community, that you lost your identity, that you couldn't do business with the community, that you couldn't marry anybody within the community. And if you were married and has kids, if you had kids, you and them are now all outcasts. Not only that, they're going to have a funeral for you because you are dead to them. And so being put out means that you are cut out of the community. Again, Jesus is saying this ahead of time so that that doesn't happen, so that your first response isn't to leave the faith. He's letting you know, this is coming. Expect this. Abide in him. Take care of each other in light of this. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was murdered in a Nazi concentration camp, penned, "'Suffering is the badge of the true Christian. The disciple is not above his master. Luther reckoned suffering among the marks of the true church. Discipleship means allegiance to the suffering Christ.' And it is therefore not at all surprising that Christians should be called upon to suffer. And yet here we live in the West where we don't face a lot of persecution. To be be quite honest though, from my youth to now, I have seen persecution escalate. Insanely. Like we, we are starting to face persecution. And even though we haven't faced much persecution yet, many are already falling away from the faith even with just a little bit of pressure. You may have heard it be called deconstruction, right? Where where societal pressure causes someone to reevaluate their faith value system and decide, yeah, actually I don't believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. They have conveniently deconstructed their faith to the point where they could just walk away from it. Deconstruction is where those who said they clung to the cross for years, clung to the cross in Christ, just let it go. Why? Because a noose is much more comfortable. They can control that. It's easier to conform. It's more socially acceptable. Everyone is doing it. And so they give up. Jesus for a few moments of peace with the world. The follower of Jesus isn't called to make peace with the world. We have been chosen by Christ and called to peace with God himself, a peace that we offer in the gospel, and in doing so become enemies of the world, and the world hates us. So church, now that we understand haters, let's love them and point them to Jesus. Let me pray for us. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.